In the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Have you ever noticed how being in the wilderness is somehow appealing to God? Moses and the Israelites sure figured that out. So did Jacob and Hagar and Ishmael, not to mention Jesus, who was led by the Spirit of God to be tempted. Where? In the wilderness, the desert. We enter today's gospel just six verses into its beginning, the long and beautiful prologue to the Gospel of John. The mystical opening verse, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, is reminiscent of the transcendent, mysterious God bringing order in Genesis 1. Once again, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. God is very comfortable in the wild places. The beginning of John's gospel goes on to tell us about a light that was coming into the world and that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Once again, God is very active. Once again, God is up to something new. Preparations got underway when God chose to enlighten John in order for him to be a fully credible witness to God's activity, God's action in the world, in history. The same John who had a limited diet of locusts and wild honey and proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But here he is simply John, stripped of any other identity other than as a witness to the light that was coming into the world. No Baptist, no baptizer, no hint of a powerful prophet lineage. Now, I doubt seriously that John would ordinarily choose to go into the harsh desert wilderness to share the good news that had been revealed to him by God. It would be so much more comfortable to have folks gathered in Jerusalem where food was easily accessible, or maybe up on a mountain with cool air and clean streams. Who doesn't prefer an awesome mountaintop experience? One time, many years ago, I was driving with my husband through the desert, somewhere past Palm Springs. Not Joshua Tree National Park, but clearly not Death Valley either. All of a sudden, he said emphatically, this is God's wasteland. I said, that's pretty harsh, don't you think? There are lots of beautiful things about the desert. Some of the strange plants and the trees, the big expansive sky, the living desert zoo. Of course, the heat can be overwhelming, but I tried to no avail to convince him that the desert was not neglected and rejected by God. 
That sense of rejection and neglect is precisely how it can feel when our lives are turned upside down in one way or another. When we are in physical or emotional pain, are grieving or sad, isolated or anxious about what the future will bring. It is true that no other person can know our suffering exactly as it is for us. We can have similar experiences and we can empathize. We can listen. We can come up alongside each other in the circumstances of our lives and encourage each other. We as a community are very good at supporting each other in times of stress and loss, as well as in times of celebration. What we don't do as often is to be witnesses to each other of the power of God's presence that we have experienced in the worst of times, as well as in the joyous times of our lives. We tend to leave out that John way of testifying, of sharing our own experience of hope. Years after our ride through God's wasteland, my husband Chris had to admit that there were some redeeming qualities about the desert. The blanket of night stars, the lack of humid humidity, the stillness. And years after that, he came to appreciate his own walk in the wilderness as cancer progressed. He came to know that the light to which John testifies is experienced especially when we are traveling through the harsh landscape that can be our lives. He talked about how his whole focus had changed from always being in the future to being fully present in the moment how fear of missing out had been replaced with a deep gratitude for the whole of this life, how anxiety had turned to contentment. There is the hope and the reality that God really is active in the chaos, that we really can give thanks in all circumstances, as our scripture today from 1 Thessalonians reminds us. Last week, I was sitting with the daily meditation from a work by Martha Hickman called Healing After Loss, gifted to me by the Reverend Bob Corner. Its poignant words reflect my own experience. She wrote, one of the ambiguous gifts of our suffering, and they are ambiguous, they are gifts, and we would never have chosen them is that it enlarges our perspective. Petty complaints we have seem unimportant. People with whom we thought we had nothing in common become special friends. Vocational prowess drops down on the list of life's priorities. Relationships are what matter. We have a sense that all of us dwell in mystery. I am wondering, are there experiences that we would never have chosen ourselves that we can offer to others, not as advice or comparison, but simply as a stripped down eyewitness to the light of Christ?
places where the light has bound up our broken heart, released us from imprisonment, comforted us in our mourning, where we have been given a garland instead of ashes, or where the oil of gladness and praise has been poured out on our faint spirits? This Advent season is an opportunity to allow our hearts to be polished as brightly as John's, so we too can become more and more a brilliant vessel and humble witness that the light of Christ is continuously coming into the world, that the light does shine in the darkness, and the darkness does not ever overcome it. Thanks be to God. Amen.